Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Do not attempt to adjust your device. This is Extreme Freedom Audio Bulletin. It cannot be traced, it cannot be stopped, and it is the only free voice left in the geek revolution. So, on the line with us is Charlie Chiodo. Did I get that right, Charlie? Yeah, Chiodo. Yeah, that, that, that's close enough. But it's Chiodo. Like, Chiodo. Uh, it's Italian. Yeah, like gotcha. uh, Chianti Chiodo. It, it's the CH that threw me off. So it's Charlie yeah. Chiodo, one of the creators of Attack of the Killer Clowns. Probably one of the top cult movies out there, cult classics. So I want to ask first off, I've heard rumblings about Attack of the Killer Clowns 2. Where, where, I mean, Killer Clowns 2, I'm sorry. Killer Clowns from Outer Space, yeah. I'm getting things all mixed up. I apologize. (laughs) (laughs) So Killer Clowns from Outer Space is the name of the movie. I'm going to make that correction right now. It's all my fault. It's too much going on on my end. Do we have a green light for Killer Clowns from Outer Space 2? Well, it's only been... It's only been 30 years, and it's not for lack of trying. Uh, we've gotten, uh, we've had talks, um, you know, over the last, uh, you know, uh, about 20 years about doing it. We've had, we've had really close calls. We had a TV series, on, you know, really close to being done in 1989, but Transworld Entertainment messed that up. Um, our talks uh, with MGM, I think, um, you know, because of all the popularity with clowns, with clown sightings, and, and and all, I think um, I can't confirm anything exactly. But I think it's in the air that uh, something might be happening with killer clowns in the near future. So again, it's not a it's not a, a green light or anything like that. But uh, the possibility is is out there. I've heard uh, I've heard the possibility of 3D. You know what? Um, that's probably unlikely, only because you know, with a 30 year old project, if anyone wanted to do it, the cost of doing a um, a moderate budget. Uh, you know, independent film. Um, the double, the uh, the budget doubles. You know, with with 3D and with the extensive effects and gags that we would like to do. Um, we don't want to have to compromise because we have a, a doubling of the budget because of a 3D technique. It would be a perfect 3D movie, uh, like a 3D sure. movie that uh, no one's ever seen before. It was what 3D was invented for: clown gags coming right at you. Um, we'd love <laughs> to do it, but I don't know if it's going to happen this time around. We're just hoping that before I drop dead, that somebody sees the value of killer clowns from outer space, too. No, go ahead, Derek. I was going to say, maybe, maybe if this one's successful enough, you can do another one that will be in 3D. Well, that's what, that's what our, our plan is. See, we like to get the thing going uh, and show and show the proof of concept. We want to show them that, yeah, this little movie that's been around for 30 years still has legs. We've expanded the clown universe over the last 30 years to explode in, in, in amazing ways that the fans are unaware of. You know, uh, you know it's, uh, my, I don't want anything to happen, you know, with, with Killer the clowns without without our involvement you know it'd be it, i'd love to see at some point some young you know talented director do their reboot of killer clowns from outer space and that could very well happen um but uh, i'd love to you know I, i'd love the the audience to experience what the kyoto brothers have been thinking about doing with clowns oh that's the oh, other sure. thing you know what in 30 years who has done with clowns what kyoto brothers has done with clowns you know <laughs> except for it and some you know serial killer clowns 
clowns. No one's done the imaginative kills that we've done. No one's taken the clown and circus motif and utilized it for mayhem the way the Kyoto brothers have. So I'm a little disappointed, frankly, in the entertainment industry for not allowing us to continue. <laughs> well, sure, even even it is not, not the same as, as Killer Clowns from Outer Space. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. Um, again, I, I like the movie. I think it and, and Stephen King, you can't knock them, but that's a, it's a demonic thing that is disguising itself as, as a clown. We've exploited clowns, you know, uh, to the to the utmost. You know, we, we, we've exploited every clown gag that we, that, that, the way we could think of. We have, you know, we have four or five movies plus a TV series, you know, planned, but all we need is someone to actually share the vision. Now, I, w- I want to ask, because I remember when Killer Clowns came out, out, uh, it was my junior year of high school. Oh, yeah? Around my junior, senior year of high school. What, did, you, did you see it in the theater or did you wait for VHS? I actually saw it at a drive-in movie theater. A perfect place to see Killer Clowns from Do, Outer Space. During during the summer, it was um, part of an over... Well, I know I remember seeing it after... I think it was my summer of my senior year. Uh, near the end of the summer, they did an all-night movie fest, and it was Critters, which I know you were involved with, and we'll get to... Yeah. A little later into Killer Clowns from Outer Space, and I, and uh, oh, I don't remember what else they showed that night. So it, it was it, it was. I guess my question was why Killer Clowns from Outer Space? I mean, what what led y'all to that concept or that idea for the film? Well, it's really funny. We had just Peter and I decided, you know, to head to the uh, the West Coast because we had been working on a stop motion play animation feature of Walt Kelly's character Igo Pogo and. And uh, the animation and everything, I did the production design, Stephen designed the characters and was the directing animator. And uh, we were so excited about that project, but... Uh, uh, there was problems with, with the studio and, 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 the, and the producer and, uh, you know, the movie, you know, never saw the light of day. It's on VHS and it was with Buena Vista for a while. But the thing was, we were real disappointed. We're stop motion guys. We were making Harryhausen stop motion type of movies, you know, and um, we decided to come out to, uh, to Los Angeles and we found out that um, stop motion, basically no one wanted to do it because it's time consuming and expensive. Directors didn't really want to work with stop motion. You know, the process was too uh, too to time-consuming. Ray Harryhausen and Willis O'Brien were, were doing it. They were masters of it. Jim Danforth had done a couple. And uh, the movies always did well, but they were considered B-movies. So what we were in a position was we wanted to make films, but we wanted to make animated monster films, and no one wanted to do it. So we had an opportunity. Uh, someone said that there was a young company, Transworld Entertainment, that had just started up, and they were looking for independent films, you know, uh, in a, a $1 to $2 million budget realm. So we said, well, what we can't do stop motion for one to two million dollars. What can we do? So we said, you know, we have to maybe a guy in a suit. Let's so what can we do, um, you know, with that? But we had had a previous discussion, my my brother uh, Stephen and I, and Stephen said, well, what's the scariest thing that you can imagine? And Stephen said the scariest thing that he could imagine was driving down a very dark road at night and having a have a, a car drive up beside you and look over and see a clown leering at you. So imagine that how frightening that would be and for some some reason i said what about if the clown wasn't in a car and he was floating and then we went wow and then we said well if the clown was floating and there wasn't a car he would have to be from outer space and that's how the whole idea started we went killer clowns from outer space holy shit i love that that's (laughs) That's awesome and then you know what we did is steven did a maquette i did a little piece of one uh, 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 uh one uh, you know, a poster, a, 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 
with like a, a panel movie poster of a clown standing over. I basically am a Frank Frazetta fan, and you know that they have a, you know, a, a an ogre overlooking the village from right. the back. I just took oh, that, yeah. that composition and I put a clown overlooking the city holding a, a, a spotted clown bag, and we brought we brought that in a, a five page treatment into uh, into Transworld Entertainment, and uh, they bought it in the meeting. Now, who's ever heard of that? Our first pitch, with our first feature idea, sold with a synopsis and a piece of art in the meeting, and they said, "Can you do this for two million dollars?" You say, "We said, uh, yeah, we'll do that." And that's how it was. Of course, it didn't hurt to go in with uh, uh, Fred Fuchs, who was our producer. We had worked with Shelley Duvall doing the the effects for um, for uh, Fairy Tale Theater, right. and Fred Fuchs oh, yeah. uh, told us about Transworld Entertainment and walked us in. So he was going to be our executive producer. He was going to produce with us. But when after we made the deal, we got a call from Fred, and he said, "You know what? I got a call from uh, Francis Ford Coppola, uh, and Fred uh, Fred had worked with him. They, he did Rumpelstiltskin, for, uh, you know." Uh, Coppola directed Rumpelstiltskin for Shelley Duvall and um, he said you know uh, 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 Coppola wants me to come up north and produce for him at his at his new studios so I won't be able to uh, produce Killer Clowns from Outer Space and we were devastated of course and he was asking our permission you know do you mind if I go so we told him you know what well, we don't you know we don't mind that you go uh, good luck uh, Fred and Fred pursued a very lucrative career with Coppola but uh, we were left on our own with Transworld entertainment to do killer clowns well sure i mean how could you say no to the guy <laughs> no no he brought us he brought us in he got us the deal um he just took uh you know he he, he took a better deal uh and you can see he's done a lot of films with coppola <laughs> and we yeah. can't get after 30 years killer clowns too off the ground <laughs> well at least he got you got your you uh part of the way yeah, he did. He did. So we're always grateful to Fred. So. Now, with your cast, I mean, you you pretty much launched the career of Christopher Titus. Um, <laughs> what what was one actor or actress that you wanted to get for the film that just fell through the cracks? Wait, did you hear this story already? No, no. Oh, because there was there was one. I mean, we we wanted to get um, uh, John Vernon, you know, because uh, uh, his Dean Wormer in Animal House was great. Right. But, you know, we had no problem. We had no problem because. Uh, Transworld was up with that. Um, we had uh, uh, the the other the guy who played Farmer Green. Um, his name escapes me right now. Very famous character actor from the uh, from the early days in the Clint, Clint Eastwood movies. Um, I don't know, but um, the, the 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 scene that we wanted to do, we had the famous you know uh, uh, security guard uh, pie throwing scene. Yeah. So from my, oh, yeah. I, I grew up in the fifties and sixties, and my favorite uh, TV uh, uh, host of all time was Soupy Sale, who was well known for getting yeah. hit in the face with eyes. Oh yeah. So what we had, we wanted the security guard to be played by our favorite childhood entertainer, Soupy Sale. So <laughs> we said, uh, can can we uh, can we get Soupy? So Transworld sent you know the notice to Soupy's agent, and uh, Soupy said he'd love to do it, uh, and the, the the day rate would be ten thousand dollars, which we thought would be fine to have Soupy Sales in our movie, the iconic pie-throwing Oh, scene, that'd be okay? great. Oh, so, yeah. They didn't get it, and and, uh, and Transworld said, well, we don't, you know, we don't think it's worth the $10,000. <laughs> 
So basically, we hired a, a guy named David Peel, who was a Santa Cruz local, and he did a wonderful job. Um, he he took it. It was a one take deal because we made all these pies, and you know we 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 had it all rigged. And uh, he took it like a champ, and you know he'll be known forever for getting hit with uh, uh, that many pies in in, in the scene. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and uh, it's just uh, it's just it's just just one of the things where Transworld didn't quite get it. Uh, that's definitely a shame. I, I, I think for any anyone who we've talked to about casting, this is probably one of the biggest close calls, almost hads that that we've heard. Yeah, really. Yeah, we had uh, you know, uh, you know, Stevens, uh, you know, the director's vision, like we wanted an East Coast girl, you know, we wanted, we had a, 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 bru- a brunette, you know, uh, in mind for you know the lead, but Transworld, you know, they wanted a, a, a strawberry blonde uh, or a blonde, and Suzanne Schneider came in at the audition, and she nailed it. The the, the uh, you know the the chemistry, you know, between her and, and Grant and John Allen Nelson was so good that we had to, uh, you know, we were thinking about making her dye her hair dark, but she was so beautiful that we decided, you know, to, to let it go. So that the director lost his vision. We wanted a brunette for some reason, East Coast. We didn't want, uh, you know, a California blonde, but, you know. <laughs> but uh, it worked out the best. Suzanne was great. So, yeah, definitely. <clears throat> Killer Clowns from Outer Space definitely put you guys on the map. But what a lot of people don't realize is you were involved in stuff like Critters, Lost Boys, Team America, World Police, a um, couple Ernest episodes of the Scare Stupid. Ernest Scare Stupid, yeah. Yeah, just a lot of stuff that people just didn't realize you were a part of being a behind, you know, being someone who's behind the scenes. Um, what, so I guess I'm going to go back a little bit. What got you into filmmaking? I told you, we watched, uh, you know, we grew up in the Bronx and we had this thing called the Million Dollar Movie. It was on WOR Channel 9. Um, and uh, they'd run, uh, you know, movies during the week and twice on, they'd rerun it twice on Saturdays. And uh, they would run King Kong, uh, Mighty mm-hmm. Joe Young, Son of Hong, Godzilla, Rodan, The Thing from Another World. So we were bitten by the monster bug very early in our lives. Um, and uh, we'd watch these things repeatedly. And we didn't, we didn't know that people made these movies. We just loved the genre. My mom took me to see The Fly. Now, I imagine I was like six or eight years old, and my mom took me to see the the, the David Hedison, Vincent Price, the original oh. Fly. Oh, and yeah, remember, the classic. Yeah, and I remember it opened up with uh, a bloody, um, you know, a, a press, you know, because he crushed his head at the end. He crushes his head in the press to kill himself. Um, and that, that's kind of, uh, I mean, that was, it, it stayed with me. I, I remember that movie. But my mom took me to see that, not because I wanted to see it necessarily. She might have been into Interested in it. Um, my dad took me to see some Harryhausen movies. I saw the Giant Behemoth and the Beast from Twenty Thousand Fathoms huh. in, in the theater. Um, you know, and that, that was great. And of course, my mom took took uh, Stephen and I down to Radio City Music Hall from the Bronx. We lived in the Bronx. We hopped on the L train and went into Manhattan and went to the Radio City Music Hall and saw the Seventh Voyage of Sinbad in the biggest theater I'd ever seen in my life. Wow! You know? And we saw. We also she took us to see Journey to the Center of the Earth with James Mason and Pat Boone. <laughs> Um, you know, and we, you know, so we were, we were just, you know, we were just enamored by, you know, by monsters. When we moved out to Long Island in 1960, um, I, I came across an issue with a, a dinosaur on the cover called Famous Monsters of Filmland. And I didn't know what it was, but it had a dinosaur on it and, and it was 50 cents and my dad bought it for me and it was, had photographs of all the monster movies that I love. And this new movie, Gorgo, was coming out, you know, <laughs> that, that, that movie from from 1960s, 
360 about the uh, the giant monster looking for her uh, for her baby, um, you know, in London. Um, again, um, we had no idea until we started buying more famous monsters of Filmland. We discovered that Willis O'Brien made King Kong and Son of Kong, and Ray Harryhausen was following in his footsteps and made our favorite movies, you know, uh, with stop motion and live action. So all of a sudden, we started seeing that people made these things, and these are the kind of things that people want to be firemen. We said, well, we want to start making movies. So we started making movies in our basement with regular eight and super eight, you know, really primitive, you know, uh, uh, techniques and, and equipment. That's 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 a great story. Outs, did I get you, Brett? Oh yeah. So growing up, did you have any big influences as far as behind the scenes and uh, for creating characters and, and things like that and puppeteering? Well, the thing is, in terms of puppeteering, you know, uh, we were always interested in puppets. Uh, you know, the yeah, stop motion came from Art Cloakey and the uh, Davy and Goliath and Gumby series. We were fascinated with that. Our first experiments uh. were anime play and doing clay dinosaurs and stuff like that. Um, in terms of the other, um, you know, uh, we, you know, in terms of there was no, you know, we didn't think about writing and scripts and stuff like that. We just had ideas and basically were replicating the things that we loved. You know, um, we had some, uh, uh, we would animate. Uh, G.I. Joe's, you know, with, you know, things like called Stripe Man, you know, which, which is our version of a superhero. We did the Beast from the Egg, which was uh, basically our our take on uh, 20 million miles to Earth. Um, we did uh, the uh, uh, the Sludge Grubs, which was, uh, you know, an environmentally conscious, you know, movie about uh, the, the, uh, the, what do you call it, the consequences of not taking care of the environment when these giant crab monsters grew out of the, the pollution. Um, oh, wow. So things, things like that. So, but in terms of um, other you know, uh, other creative influences, um, you know, in puppet, we used to I, I, I used to watch uh, the Bill Baird marionettes. Uh, I was fascinated by 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 the marionettes. Um, we actually had an old TV set in our basement when we were young, and uh, we pulled the the television out, so we just had the cabinet with the glass, and we'd invite people over to sit in the audience, and we'd buy these marionettes and put on puppet shows in the TV, which was really funny. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, we have no footage of that, which is, which is sad because it was really funny. Because I remember we used to puppeteer, and they'd be watching television, a live puppet show going on in the TV. <laughs> yeah, that would have been great stuff to to record. Yeah, it would. What outside of Attack or Killer Clowns from Outer Space? I don't know why I want to go the other way. Um, outside of Killer Clowns from Outer Space, what were some of your other favorite projects that that you were involved with? Um, you know what the uh, the Chris films were were a lot of hard work and. You know, it, it was a lot of fun. We were kids. It was our first uh, king, and when we saw, we did all of the four um, cr uh, critter movies. Um, you know, the original one was really neat. We worked with D. Wallace and uh, and uh, Billy Zane. Was yeah. uh, we we spent we spent several hours with a critter puppet gnawing at uh, Billy Zane's uh, insides. And I was saying, <laughs> you know, I was saying, all right, I think we got this. And they said, no, we want more and more. And the critter would go into his stomach, and he was laying there for hours. And the bloody critter would come up. I said, this is a PG movie. This is all going to be edited. You're not going to show this. Why are we spending so much time on this? Well, it wasn't ever seen. It, it was really gruesome and looked great, but no one's ever seen it. So we wasted a, a whole bunch of time. That was, you know, that was Billy's one of Billy Zane's, uh, you know, first films, I believe. And he went on to 
that little movie called Titanic. Yeah, that, uh, that was another B film. I, I, I liked his his yeah. a his A list film, The Phantom. <laughs> oh, he did the Phantom, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he, did he, the he was the Phantom. Uh, our other thing, you know, like uh, you know, uh, we did some stuff. Um, we did some effects. We we did the puppets. Um, we did these animation puppets. We sculpted the animation puppets for Fantasy Two. Uh, uh, Pete Kleinow animated the the one animated sequence, the one stop motion sequence in Gremlin, where they where all the the grounds after the pool sequence, right. all of the the very oh, yeah. running down the street. Well, uh, Stephen, my brother Stephen sculpted that, uh, and I painted all the thirty puppets. Wow! For no. That, but you know, Team America is you know the the one of my favorite you know uh, projects. How, how was it working? Yeah, that was a great one. How was it working with the guys from uh, South Park? You know what, Matt and Trey were uh, very uh, um, very workable, very cordial and friendly. It was you know there was never uh, you know a sense from them that they were um, you know they never pressured you and stuff they they understood uh, they had no idea what they were in for. We were trying to warn them, you know, that, that uh, doing a marionette film is is a, is a pain in the ass. But they mm. they were, uh, but they were very. You still there? Yep. Yep. Um, you know, they were very. Uh, uh, they, they, they were they were up for it. Um, they didn't stop doing. You no. Know, so we would be working on set. They'd be writing and rewriting the script on a day to day basis. Then they'd go back and work on their TV show. So they were working two gigs, you know, and, uh, you know, they're doing a TV show, producing a, you know, a half hour animated, you know, episode every week and doing this amazingly difficult, you know, puppet film with 50 puppeteers, 200 characters um, and uh, and wardrobe and special effects and miniatures. It was it, it was it was ridiculous, but um, they were great to work with. I, I've never seen, you know, guys so so devoted and uh, so on the ball. You know, everything was um, they were sharp um we had radio control well, it was, what, what people don't understand is you had you had puppeteers doing the string puppet you know on a on a 50 foot gantry you know about you know 20 feet away from the the the, the operators um so the guys with the remote controls who were doing the eye blink facial expressions and lip sync um or sitting on radios 20 feet away well uh, uh trey you know was actually doing the voices live and, and doing the the, the lip sync himself doing multiple characters um you know and then i was just watching him work he was you know just just amazing he just picked it up immediately he could play the piano you know he's a virtuoso so it was amazing you know, it wasn't surprising that he was able to just use the remote control not only lip sync it but do the voices uh, he could do ad-libs with it and mm. what's neat about it it's like a it's like two dance partners because he's 20 feet away but the puppeteer senses what's going on and is able to move and you got the other guys doing eye blinks and, and other facial expressions and the three puppeteers bring this one character to amazing light and it's uh it, it, it's really interesting and amazing to watch i would love to see that like yeah. actually being done that would be cool um, yeah, and the coordination, get... the coordination is ridiculous because, you know, you're 15 feet. But we had to do 15-foot strings for the master shot. And then for the more intimate performance things, we had to, you know, shorten the strings, which means redressing the puppets. And, mm -hmm. you know, the whole set. So it was just, 
was a nightmare. And every time you had to change a costume on, on the characters or change a head, you know, you had to restring the puppet, which means we had uh, we had a crew on the daytime and then at nighttime setting up for the next the next day's setups. Wow. It was wow. a, a really work intensive uh, situation. Sounds like it, yeah, a, a huge amount of people too. Yeah. Yeah, we had uh, we had two crews. You know, we had the day crew there. You know, maintaining and uh, you know maintaining and operating the puppets, repairing them. We didn't have too many you know repairs. You know, the the, the stuff uh, was pretty you know uh, you know pretty bulletproof. Um, but at night the crew would come in and you know fix things up uh, cosmetically and um, and then and put the costumes you know put the costumes on restring and put the wigs on because. We we had like I said we had 200 you know characters in the film but we only made like 40 puppets which meant that we had to switch heads and costumes out on a daily basis scene to scene very often and that was you know just it's just an amazing workload and the, and the crew was uh, up for it everyone had a great time and uh, they were shooting as many as seven setups so we had to bounce around and make sure the puppets were ready and and, and shooting on seven separate well, five out of the seven because two of them were were for you know uh, the, the the, uh, the vehicles and you know the, the special effects you know oh. like like they had uh, where they blew up the Taj Mahal in London oh, yeah. but uh, we had to, we had to put uh, yeah we had to put puppets there too you know we was running around like crazy it's the hardest we've ever worked I think on, on a feature it Team America must have been a big risk to make I mean there's not wasn't many movies out with uh, puppets as the main characters coming out in a feature length films like that the only yeah the only uh, you know Europeans have done it and they, they take their puppetry very serious. The uh, the interesting thing about this one, which made it doable at all, was that it was all for the laughs. So if, had we had they locked us into realistic puppet movement, we would still be there shooting now. Um, but the thing was, they wanted it funky. They wanted it funny. Anything that made them laugh, that's what was in the film. So that that was a saving grace. Um, the difficulty, you know, if you're trying to, you look at a scene and you have five puppets walking shoulder to shoulder, shoulder down a narrow corridor towards the camera. Well, you got five guys up there. And if the, the, the strings are like the wide shot, it's like, you know, 10 to 15 feet. So you get a pendulum action. So if you got four puppets walking great, but one of them stubs its foot, it, it, it slides into the other, and you get the take is ruined. So then you, no. the next take, you got three puppets working, but one messes up. You got the next take, you got, you know, you know five puppets walking until right at the end, you know, the, the, the thing, you know, the, the, the foot gets caught, and they start bumping into each other. Now, the thing was, we took a, multiple takes, and then the guys looked at it and they determined which one was the funniest. But to make them, like I, what I was saying is to make them all walk down the length of the hallway without a glitch, we'd still be there shooting. Huh. I can imagine. I, I used to love the uh, the old Thunderbirds show back in the yeah. day. So when that movie came out, I was really excited for it. It really, well, that, uh, yeah. That was the uh, inspiration for them. Having not seen it, see, I was raised on that stuff. Stingray and uh, uh, Supercar oh, yeah. and Fireball yeah. XL5. Yeah. You know, Jerry Henderson, he was the, the king of that stuff. And he had done feature films. He had done a Stingray feature. You know, and did and did very well. Well, Matt and Trey just thought it was a funny joke. They wanted to take a um, a contemporary action film. Uh, what do you? Who does the action films? Uh, uh, you know, um, uh, Schedule Transformer movie. Oh no, he doesn't oh, do Michael. action films. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Bay. Yeah. Uh, 
what's his name? Michael. Uh, Michael Bay. Bay. Michael Bay. Yeah. Mike, Michael Bay. They took a Michael. They want to take a Michael Bay script and do it with verbatim. Do it with uh, with puppets. But when we read the first draft, we said, you know, it had the first draft had the Korean Army and the Navy coming in the San Francisco Bay, a school bus, uh, the the bridge is falling apart, that somebody had blown it up by terrorists, and uh, and then the bus was going to plummet into the uh, San Francisco Bay. And we read that and said, you want us to do this with puppets, <laughs> the marionettes? So they they rethought it. And then and they came up with with an original with the original idea. We were trying to you know you know we were trying to talk them out of it, frankly, but they wouldn't listen to us. Well, sure. If you get sometimes when you get an idea in your head, you just can't let it go. Yeah. And they pulled it off. I mean, they, they pulled it off. Unfortunately, you know, um, it was perceived as you know politically incorrect. And uh, again, it's really funny. The South Park audience went to see it. The little kids who may have wanted to see it couldn't go see it because it was R-rated. <laughs> so the movie, the movie didn't do a hundred million dollar box office. It did the same numbers as a South Park movie. There wasn't a crossover audience, unfortunately, because you know adults for the most part won't go see a a puppet movie. Right. So they see it as Kid Bear. But to me, Kid America is one of the funniest movies I've ever worked on yeah. and that I've ever seen. I look at it today yeah. and I still look at it. Yeah, it was a great one. I, I, I've got to say, the, the sex scene with the puppets was <laughs> yeah, they one of the most cool. They, 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 it was one of the most they, creative they, but most disturbing I've ever seen in a movie. Yeah, it was. In fact, uh, Tony Urbano, one of our veteran uh, uh, marionettists, he played uh, Lisa. Uh, he, he, he did mainly uh, puppeted Lisa, but you know he did all the other characters. You know, all the all the puppeteers. You know, uh, did uh, the you know the full cast and uh, Scott Land did uh, Kim Jong Un and uh, and Gary. Mm. Uh, they they were um, um, those guys were, were amazing, and they they learned from each other and. Uh, uh, and then just put the level, you know, just raise the level of, of the production. The thing is, they come, they, a lot of them came with a classic marionette background. But Tony, when he saw the what we had planned in the sex scene, um, that he he asked to uh, to uh, be able to uh, not participate in it. He didn't want to be part of the the, the scat scene or the uh, you know, the golden shower scene. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the funny story, the funny story on that was uh, Matt and Trey knew that they were going to be pushing the uh, the the, the Sensor buttons on on this, you know that they were going to be fighting the um, the sensors on oh, the yeah. film. So they deliberately put in the the the, the, the pee and the uh, and the poop scene because uh, they they figured that that would draw their that would um, you know get their attention and uh, they could they would let the other things by comparison slide. <laughs> now I'm trying to remember right. I don't know if my memory serves me right. Being a big fan of, of the Pee Wee uh, creative programs, did I yeah. see that your name was? Involved in that as well. Well, Kiwi's. See, the thing is, when you say, you know, it's really funny when you when you name the the, the the films that people didn't know we worked on. The common thing there is that there's something about those films that people like, and they're surprised to find out that we're involved with all of them. Um, in terms of Pee Wee's Big, Big Adventure, um, my brother Stephen uh, had uh, met Tim Burton early on in his career while he was at Disney, uh, you know, when Tim was at Disney, and uh, he had this idea for a short called Vincent, and he yeah. wanted to do it in stop motion. And uh, he came to, 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 to Stephen and, and asked him if he would help him animate it. So, um, you know, Rick Heinrichs, Academy Award nominated. I think, didn't Rick Heinrichs do something with Star Wars uh, recently? I think he was a production designer on 
Star Wars, all right? Um, but uh, yeah, young Rick Heinrichs, young Tim Burton uh, were over talking to us about uh, um, doing uh, the stop motion for Vincent, and uh, they uh, they set up shop over at the Dave Allen Studios, rented some space, and uh, you know, Rick made the the, the, the characters, um, and Stephen worked with him on the uh, you know Tim storyboarded it and told Stephen what he wanted, and Stephen you know animated the stop motion uh, Vincent character, and um, so we had a good relationship with with Tim Burton. We did something after that uh, with him. Uh, he did a Kabuki version that very few people have seen, uh, the Tim Burton version of uh, Hansel and Gretel. And it's pure Tim Burton, and uh, it's all done with Japanese, a Japanese uh, cast, and uh, and the witch was played by the say, uh, by a, a male actor, because Kabuki, it's all it's all male actors. They play male and female. And um, uh, the, the final climactic battle was a kung fu battle with the witch. <laughs> and uh, it's pure Tim Burton. <laughs> and uh, it's out there. You know, I, I don't know if anybody's. Uh, I don't know if it's available, but uh, it must be out there somewhere. So then, you know, we had a relationship with. With uh, with Tim Burton, and uh, he got his big uh, his big break there to do um, uh, Huey's Big Adventure. So he and Rick came to us, and uh, they said we have these animated sequences. We have a T Rex eating a bicycle, mm. and we have Large Marge, you know, where, where a truck driver turns into this hideous creature. And Rick Heinrich said, "Well, I want I'm going to do one, but I'm, I'm going to take the T Rex because he had no idea how to do the Large Marge." <laughs> so uh, so Stephen, uh, what we did is we got a, a casting of the actress and cast her head in the plaster mold. We cast it in uh, plasticine clay that we could animate. Um, and we devised a series of uh, uh, replacement animation parts that we could, you know, uh, again, the storyboards were very specific and we sculpted the pieces that, you know, would, you know, uh, deliver Tim Burton's vision. And um, we looked at the, the finished thing. We put the wig on it, but we found that it looked like a clay sculpture with a wig on it. And uh, <laughs> what we figured was that, you know, what was missing? We needed to put makeup on it. So we took makeup, the same makeup as the actress used on stage. We basically duplicated the makeup and all of a sudden the clay became a real person. And we animated, I think it was 15, basically 15 frames, but it had to be sculpted, you know, each of those 15 frames. The mouth had to open, teeth had to be replaced, the eyes bugged out. So those replacement eyes were made. I, I painted the eyes. Um, and it was, um, you know, a very, yeah, yeah then it is the the highlight of the film, people say. You know, it's a standout sequence of the uh, it's pure Tim Burton with a little help from the Kyoto Brothers. Oh, definitely. It's definitely yeah. one of the best parts. Now, what's interesting is the scene, we actually started the thing, she was turned away facing the road, and we animated her doing a turn towards the camera and then going into the transition. In the film, the editor cut out for, and I understand why, for dramatic, for just the pop, you know, the, 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 the cut, they cut right on the transition. So, no one's ever seen the the full turn towards the camera towards peewee oh, and wow. uh you know so they just you know they just cut it right on the transition wow. which is fine so that's that's how it should be now um i recently saw something that they're planning on doing a um a tv series based on critters have they have they uh contacted you about that at all or um, do you know anything about had, it we, no, we had conversations and then the, the creators it's, it's real interesting the creators are um you know it's a uh uh, director and uh, and writers. They um uh they did the movie Zombievers. If you've seen it, I haven't. I'll have to check that out. 
Yeah, Zombievers. And um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really interesting, it, it hits all the right buttons. It's a, it's a really neat genre piece. It's a, it's a wacky, you know, horror movie, Zombievers, about zombie beavers. And, you know, they, it's got a young, you know, a, a young cast and the performances are solid. The scenario is solid. It's got laughs. It's got thrills. It's got a nice little uh, uh, wraparound. And uh, they, they did a really good job. It's on uh, Netflix, Zombievers. I, I would recommend it. It's, um, it's made for a, a younger, you know, it's made for, you know, the young teenage audience. It's a little little raunchy and stuff. It's very sexual and stuff, but it's everything that a teenager wants to see, right? <laughs> um, and it was, I was flattered when they said, when they came to us, you know, they said that, you know, we, we might be doing, uh, uh, you know, Critters. Um, they said that uh, they were fans of Killer Clowns from Outer Space, and they said that they wouldn't be a Zombievers had they not seen Killer Clowns, which I, oh, wow. you know, which made us feel really feel real good. But, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, in, in terms of it, I think um, the uh, uh, there, there is going to be a web series of Critters, and we we can't be involved. We couldn't be involved with it. Um, you know, it's not because they didn't want us to, but because of our schedule and, and, and stuff. But I think it's going to be what, looking at Zombievers. I think these guys are going to bring something new and innovative to it. But I think it's going to be good. We would have oh, loved to have been involved. You know, yeah, uh, I would have loved on the next generation of Critters. No, I know you guys were involved with the Thundermans. Uh, yes, and Thundermans are coming back. Are you guys going to be involved in the in the return? Wait, Thundermans or what? Hey, the, what the, the Thundermans? Yes. Um, what do you mean they're coming back? Uh, my daughter was watching something on TV and they were talking about the return of the Thundermans back to Nickelodeon. Um, we haven't heard anything. I, I don't know if they're going to order more episodes because um, I think the, the lead, um, you know, the, the lead stars were pursuing other career opportunities. Um, so I don't know how that's going to happen unless they're just releasing, you know, uh, a season that you haven't seen before. Maybe it's been showing because we did four seasons. Maybe it's just been, maybe it's been rerunning the first three seasons okay. and now that they put maybe a hiatus may i'm just guessing that maybe the fourth season they're going to be airing okay yeah, i guess yeah, that, that answers that, that question <laughs> yeah yeah i i think it's that we, we we did four seasons we did 200 episodes so i don't think they've aired 200 episodes yet i think they were holding some back that's my guess okay now i was a big fan i know you said you you guys were real big on on monsters i was a fan of a show that aired like friday nights or saturday nights uh late night called monsters were oh, yeah. you guys ever involved in that of course we were we did <laughs> we did two episodes i think one's called a sleeping dragon and uh another one was something with the devil um pam greer was in the one with the devil we we, we did this uh you oh. know this, this final revelation was this the you know satan this devil the demonic character that this guy turned into and we did this just simple pullover mask nothing fancy and mask and hands i believe uh for the final reveal oh uh, that was a fun show again it was low money but um you know we did it because you know all the effects guys steve johnson did some any anybody you know who was in the effects business back then who was doing it our sleeping dragon was a, a a full costume and it was sort of a you know a um an evolved kind of man reptile character and that came out pretty good um they were they were shot really quickly. They were you know they were done in a week. The uh, the, the, the they were shot in a week. Those shows and we we had uh, you know we had rain you know you know they, they weren't really picky. They just were thrilled to have you know for the money. They threw us some money and said hey just build us a, a cool looking monster. And then that was the uh, that was the thing just to have you know we just loved making monsters, having people see them. So that was a great show. And I thought it had one of the best openings as well. Yeah, it had a great opening with the with the Cyclops, the family there. Yep. Um, and uh, you know I haven't seen them. I, I think. 
think I think I heard they're on DVD. Our, I think they're, oh, they're, the hunt begins. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think they they've been released. Um, See, I'm that, sure they're on. Tuesday. That was my that was my Friday and Saturday nights was watching um, Tales from the Crypt, Monsters. Yeah. Uh, the Friday the Thirteenth, the series. Uh, oh, what was what else was there? Outer Limits. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, there was a, a Tales from the Dark Side. Mm. Oh, you know what? Was neat about those? They were anthology series. Yeah. And now you know. We, yeah. We had you know Kyoto Brothers. You know we had some some really interesting uh, uh, anthology series, but every time we pitched them, we were told that people don't like watching anthology series. They like to they like to uh, identify with characters and watch the same characters you know uh, get into adventures week after week after week you know they like to, they like to think you know, you know so everything we came up with now anthologies are coming back you know you know that don't you oh yeah i'm yeah. excited about it yeah, and they're saying that you know they tried to bring back the Twilight Zone and that failed. It was an anthology series. They said that's why that uh, didn't yeah. work. At Outer Limits, they said that didn't work because it was an anthology series. So I love anthologies. Oh uh, yeah, that's what I think. I, I agree. I agree. I was raised on anthologies. We were raised on the best. I was raised on the original Outer Limits. I was raised on the original Twilight Zone. What do you oh, mean yeah. they don't work? Yeah. And you know what it is? You know what was great about those shows that that people are missing? It was a showcase for new talent. Yeah. There was a young. There was a young uh, Bill. Shatner in two of them, and look where he wound up. Yep, and the most famous, <laughs> yeah. and the most famous of the two was was the uh, the one with the plane. The one with the plane, yeah. Uh, Burgess Meredith was in Twilight Zone as the librarian. The librarian, know? right? That, that's you know, my favorite episode. Yeah, Robert Robert Redford was in the one with the uh, he played uh, he played Death. Remember when he came to the old the old yep. woman to take yep. Yes, yep. But I I will say even even in the eighties, Tales from the Crypt and Monsters, I felt were the strongest of most of them because they were just well, you know, they were just creepy yeah. enough but they weren't full blown out slasher whatever I mean well, it was great it was television. television yeah it was just it was, enough. Good family, it was good family stuff it was good monster stuff oh yeah and then you follow that up with Critters on, on one of your, your pay channels and the overnight yeah. at home was great at, after a long week yeah. of school <laughs> No, that's it. The only, you know, again, the only, the only uh, uh, bad feelings that uh, that we have, and I know a lot of uh, a lot of uh, effects guys, you know, have the same the, the same feeling is that we we love having done, you know, the stuff that we, we were able to do, but we regret not being able to do the stuff we would have liked to do, the stuff that you never saw, the ideas that effects people have that you'll never they'll never see the light of day because we are designated as the contractors to do other people visions right yeah okay, we've well, been lucky enough we broke that mold we were able to share our vision we did the amazing life sea monkeys tv show that was uh, that was short Auto brothers we did uh, land of the lost with uh with sid and marty, marty Cross, Cross, the revival yeah. you know we yep. did uh killer clowns from outer space and we did a great little abc after school special called cousin kevin about a little boy with a vivid imagination that everything he thinks of becomes reality and he makes his cousin's life a living hell and they camping out in a backyard you know and what starts out as a tent in the backyard becomes a tent in the african uh, veld and they're attacked by a lion and they wind up in a submarine and they get attacked by the loch ness monster and ultimately they're in the antarctic and they get attacked by carnivorous killer penguins so you know it's a and those were the things we did before Killer Clowns. And those are the things we showed that they said, hey, these guys, they got something. Now, uh, shoot, where'd it go? <laughs> 
Um, doggone it. It was just there. <laughs> come back. I hope so. <laughs> oh, no, I hope so. That's the, that's the thing. You know, we, we were, we're fortunate enough, but now 30 years later, we're a little pissed off that no one has the faith in the Kyoto brothers to let us do our vision and continue. We'll make it, you know what, killer clowns from outer space. If someone will give us a chance, I want to make a scarier version. I know it's, you know, I know it's right and what's wrong with killer clowns from outer space. It was our first freaking film, and it's a cult hit. It's a cult classic. Oh, that was our first oh, film. Yeah. It, it, it rings right up there with Surf Nazis Must Die. and Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. and I distinguish it. I distinguish that from, uh, from Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Attack of the Killer Tomatoes is a parody of science fiction. Right. What, what, what we did, what we did, we just, we took science, a, a science fiction premise like The Blob, and we just turned it and tweaked it and gave it a little Kyoto Brothers spin. We just said, you know what, what if it's a serious alien invasion and they just happen to be clowns, you know, and we, and we treated it seriously, you know, we, we, you know, that you had to be in the situation. We're not, we didn't make a scary movie, movie version. We didn't do a parody of clowns attacking. And that's the distinction between a, a, a killer tomatoes and a killer clown. In killer clowns, they were killing people and no one was laughing about it. <laughs> and that's what made it so brilliant. Well, that's what we like to think. Now, with this day and age, with the different streaming services, have, are they not wanting to bite on this either? Um, you know what? If we owned the rights to Killer Clowns from Outer Space, we would have already had a TV series and been in sequel eight. So um, <laughs> it's just uh, uh, the, the the people that own it um, don't share the vision right now. So that that's uh... what we're fighting. You know what we what we're, we're hoping for is that we get on. You know, it's all about the guy you're talking to on the other side of the table. What we're hoping for is that the guy on the other side of the table says, I saw this, because they're all young now, younger than us. I saw that when I was a kid. I love this movie, and I want you to do it, but I want you to make it a little edgier and, uh, you know, for today's audience. Um, I would love to meet that person, and that's all you're waiting for, the person who gets it, the person who has faith in the creative. That's all we're waiting for. I don't want someone to say, oh, you know what, you know, uh, I, I want, uh, we want to do Killer Clowns from Outer Space, but we want you to make them friendly, you know? I don't, I don't know the Killer Clowns from Outer Space, you know? And the other thing, we want to make it, we want, we would love to make it, you know, more intense, you know, for, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, an older audience, but I don't want to, I don't want a movie that kids won't be able to see, although that, that that's, you know, uh, the, the, the nature of Killer Clowns is not, it's not a gore fest. It's not right. a Saw movie. It's not, it's right. not, uh, yeah. no, uh, uh, you know, an Eli Raw film. All right. <laughs> it's not, it's not that. It's about clever kill and whimsical kills that make you go, holy crap, that's weird. And it makes you, you know, it makes you laugh because it's creepy. That's the nature of killer clowns. An easy kill. I mean, you know, and I won't knock, you know, I won't knock anything. You know, technically, the new It is really well done. The makeup is great. The performances are great, you know. But it's a, you know, if, if the best you can do is having, you know, a, a clown bite a kid's arm off, Yoda Bulls can do better than that. <laughs> That's right, yeah. You know? There's got to be somebody out there who can appreciate it, who can, yeah, who can make this happen. Something. Yeah, you know what? So we're just, we got our fingers crossed. You know, hopefully we'll be in conversations and uh, we'll have some people that, you know, you know, won't won't try and tell the Kyoto brothers. I, you know, I, I'm hoping we'll have someone we can work with that won't tell the Kyoto brothers. Here, we see killer clowns this way. Right, yeah. So, oh, no, well, yeah, that's my worst nightmare, you know? It's like it's like someone saying, let's do the Ghostbusters with women. <laughs> you know, can you imagine, can you imagine the director, you know, you're coming back and you're going, hey, they want to do, they want to do Ghostbusters after, after, uh, you know, after 30 years, you know? Uh, uh, then you sit down at the meeting and they go, 
know, yeah, but we don't, we, we're going to have the, the, the Ghostbusters be female. And you know, all right. You know, <laughs> creatively, you could make it work, but what you've done is you've changed it in a way. It's like Jackie Gleason and the Honeymooners. Yeah, you could have a black cast doing Art Carney and Jackie Gleason, but it's not going to be the Honeymooners. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, and they, they, they failed at that. It's like, it's like a West, what it was, Wild Wild West. You have a character, yeah. James West, in the, in the, 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 the the old Confederate South, and then they have a black James West played by Will Smith. That was doomed to failure. It was just a bad idea. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's things like that. So that, that's our worst nightmare, that when we when we ultimately sit down with somebody, that they're going to say, yeah, you can do Killer Clowns, but you have to do it our way. I'd no. like to say, well, what don't you like about, you know, our way? What is the, the chance of you guys getting the rights back to the film or getting control of the well, rights of the film? You know what? Um, it would, uh, I'd say, impossible. Um, they, the, the reason is um, they've been sitting on it and enjoying the, the profits of Killer Clowns from Outer Space without too much of a investment. They just re-release blue. You know, they make deals with, with uh, Blu-ray. They uh, mm-hmm. do territorial leases and stuff. They uh, they make uh, deals with uh, Netflix and uh, and uh, you know all the all the uh, you know the the sites to uh, to, to show the film. Right. Um, they release DVDs all over the place. So. Um, what they don't want to do is sell it something that they've been making money off of for 30 or they've had it for only like 20 years you know it was in limbo for a while but MGM's had it they don't want someone else making a hundred million dollars 200 million dollar grossing movie with something that they've been sitting on for 20 years mm. so they're not they'd rather they'd rather sit on it and make their little their, 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 their small uh, return on it uh, and can you believe now you tell me if you were an accountant the movie cost $2 million. Um, they might have gotten $4 million, and they, they might have put $2 million into prints and advertising. Not that it was widely released at all. Um, in 30 years, do you think they should be in profit by now? I would think so. Yeah. You will, yeah, so, you would think. It's still it's still in the red after 30 years. Now being released right. in Australia, Japan, Europe, Great Britain, I, new DVD release, and a $2 million movie has not made any money. Or so no. they say. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say... <laughs> Mm-hmm. With with all the the midnight showings or or or, or marathon type stuff at different theaters, or, you know, for over thirty years, there's, there's no way. And the thing is, there should be midnight screening, um, but they're not as as many as you would think. You think it would be every year they re-release it for Halloween. But the, you know, see, people have big screen televisions now. You know, every every holiday, every Halloween, it's uh, it's always you know on Netflix or something, so it's always available. Well, I would think just the TV rights for all the different showings would help get them up there. Well, that's what I would think. That's that's what I would think. You know, the, the blue a Blu-ray deal. You know, that that's money. They just, but you know, Hollywood bookkeeping. They write all they do is they they write off all their losses. Anything they, their contract that they, that you sign is that you know basically they can keep writing things off. You know, till the end of time in perpetuity. You know, so that you they don't have to pay back your contractual right. I'm gonna tell you something mm-hmm. real annoying that uh, the screenplay for Killer Clowns from Outer Space in 1986 was um, was $90,000. 
<laughs> we got $25,000 up front. The rest was on deferment. So that $65,000? Wow. $65, $65, uh, no, $75,000 was on deferment. Unbelievable. $75,000? No. Yeah, wait. Uh, $65,000 $65, was on deferment. Okay? So, we, you know, we're, we're waiting that, you know, 30 years later that maybe we'll get the balance of the screenwriter's fees. Well, in the contract that we signed was a, a stipulation that if the movie did not return profit within five or ten years, that the deferment was waived. So they put uh -huh. that in the contract. Can you imagine they put that? How is that legal to put in the contract that money we owe you disappears after a certain number of time if we can keep hiding our profit? Wow. They, they, they always have those loopholes. Yeah, and what they do is, you know, again, you know, again, these lawyers and these guys, when they send them across, the, I want to leap across and strangle them because they look at you with a straight face and go, you signed it. You signed the contract. Well, we had our lawyer throwing stuff back and saying, we don't like this, we don't like this, we don't like this. Well, you know what? They know that we wanted to make a film, so they said no. And our lawyer said to us, guys, you have a choice. You can walk away from your first film, or you get this fee, this fee, and this fee. All the money you're going to see is the fees up front. He told us, our lawyer, and he said, you know what? If you want to make a movie, make the movie. You'll be guaranteed this. Who knows what will happen with the film? They said, he said, don't, don't worry about the money afterwards. Do it because you want to make the film. And he was right. He was right. He told was exactly right. Our fees, we got our fees, even for directing, me production design, you know, and then us for doing the effects. You know, not great money, but, you know, we love doing it. Um, and uh, we never saw a nickel after that, so... Mm -hmm. Wow, that's Somebody a shame. Somebody's making a lot of money. Million dollar deals. Million dollar deals are being done. Wow. So, Hollywood. Yeah. Holly weird. Yeah, and unfortunately, you hear stories like that all the time. Well, yeah, and they just, that, that means it's true. Now, you would think that someone would try, you know, change Hollywood. But then again, you know, Hollywood, why are we still going to Canada to get deals? This is, the, this is the industry here. Why don't we have the tax benefit that Canada have? Why can't we match that in, in the United States and keep, and keep the business here, keep the work here for American workers? I never, I don't understand that. You know, movies are one of the chief exports of, 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 of America, and, and, and you can do it cheaper in other countries. Why? Why do I have to go to Canada to make my film? Yeah. With the tax well, incentive. I couldn't tell you. I know personally, I would love to see more done here. Uh, I mean, I live in the Orlando, Florida area. Okay. And, and shortly after my wife and I got married and we moved down here, um, Disney Hollywood Studios had had some stuff going. Uh, I know part of uh, Congo with uh, Cooper Gooding Jr. and Sir Anthony Hopkins was filmed here. There were some TV oh, shows really? filmed here. Uh, Universal Studios right up the road had some stuff. And a lot of that started to fade out about 98, 99, maybe 2000. And this was after really? they were saying that you know Orlando was going to be Hollywood East. That's what they're mm. saying. That's and, what they were saying. And then, um, and then it know, just faded away. Yeah, it did. Hey, that, that reminds me. You, I didn't know you were in Orlando. You there really? now? Yeah. Hey, you know what? You know Spooky Empire? Yes. Uh, we're going to be in Spooky Empire at the end of April. And unfortunately, Before I'm going to be working. <laughs> I, I work for the mouse. Okay. So, and, and I, being in entertainment myself, uh, as an audio engineer, I'm I'm stuck working weekends. Oh. But if not, I, I, I saw you were going to be at Spooky Empire. I'm like, I wish I could go. Uh, Spooky Empire is a great show. It is. We haven't been there in a while. Um, you know, uh, you can't call in sick? <laughs> I, if I did, I'm not saying it on air. Okay. 
okay. <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying. But um, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to get you in trouble. But uh, yeah, we get to see it. But uh, now you can't. <laughs> uh, it, it's Spooky Empire is probably one of the top conventions in the U.S. for uh, for the horror genre and um, the cult classic genre. Because uh, I think this year too, there's um, not only you guys in the in the mid in some of the the talent from Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Uh, but there's uh, an Animal House reunion. Um, I just I just had their site up a little while ago. Oh, the guest list is amazing here. Yeah, I saw it. It's, it's going to be neat. Um, yeah, we're uh, we're excited about getting down there. Um, uh, what's good about it? It's a great party convention. Um, yeah. Because you know, they had a party outside, and it was so great. They had they had girls dressed up like clowns on stilts serving the drinks, which oh, was great. That's cool. <laughs> so if you go, I don't know if this is by order of importance uh but they list matthew lillard first <laughs> and the uh, kyoto brothers second which wow. is awesome then suzanne snyder and grant kramer on the same line uh linda linda blair tim matheson mark medcalf peter reggett uh martha smith david naughton of course from american Werewolf in london yeah uh butch patrick uh kathleen mm-hmm. hicks and alex vincent from child's play yeah uh slim jim wow. slim jim phantom from uh stray cats Hmm. That, yeah, that's the, a great show. The stray that's ca- a great lineup. The, the, the straight cast is proof that, yes, you can get better looking with age. <laughs> uh, Vinny Vincent, who was uh, part of Kiss. J.J. Uh, French from Twisted Sister. Uh, Riku Browning, uh, who was the creature from the Black Lagoon. That's right. Uh, Chelsea uh-huh. Tomage and uh, Leanne Curtis. You know, Leanne Curtis, I haven't seen her in a long time. We worked on her on Critters, too. Yep. And <laughs> she was also on 16 Candles, uh, Rock and Roll High School yeah. Forever, uh, Wild Orchid two and uh, girlfriend from hell there you go and then they've got a couple of makeup makeup contestants from uh, face from the face-off series and oh, wow. um, part of the cast from haunted tours who I've never heard of that series and then they say and uh, then at the bottom updates and cancellations unfortunately Lloyd Kaufman has canceled his appearance Lloyd Kaufman that sounds familiar who's that uh, uh, the Toxic Trauma. Avenger, the Trauma film, Mayor of Tromaville. Oh, okay. Uh, the Toxic Avenger, um, Sergeant Kabuki Man. Yeah. N- another one that I wouldn't say it's competition to you guys, but, uh, I would say definitely, I would, personally, I would love to see a, a team up with you guys and, and Lloyd Kaufman on <laughs> a trauma feature. Um, you know what? Never, never met them. Never, never spoke to them about anything. You know, he has his own little empire down there. Yeah. Yeah. Films. Yeah, but he was back East Coast, right? Yes. Yeah. I think yeah. the same same neck of the woods as you that you're from. Yeah, we just came we changed our neck of the woods. We came out here. <laughs> you know, it's, it's really you know, who knew that you could do it back there? We had to come out here and do it. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It's really interesting how things work out because, you know, you know, although I hated leaving my family, you know, that was the, the, the biggest regret of, of all, leaving mom and dad and my sister and, you know, all our relatives, you know, that we grew up with. Right. And oh, yeah. family. Um, there would be no killer clowns, you know, again, but is that worth it? I'm, I'm going, yeah, I'm saying, well, yeah, look, there would be no killer clowns. Yeah, but I missed out on one-on-one time with the people that I love. So, so that, that was a hell of a trade-off. Yeah, that's a tough balance. Yes. Yeah. 
Vegas. Um, where can people find you guys on the internet? Um, you know what? We have uh, on Facebook. I know the the, the, the brothers have uh, Instagram accounts and stuff and, and Twitter accounts. Um, I still have a flip phone because I think it, it makes me look like Captain Kirk with a tricorder. <laughs> but um, the uh, you know you can we have a, a good uh, we have a Kyoto Brothers website which is due for an update. But we we can be seen on uh, on Facebook. We have the Kyoto Brothers Productions. There are various uh, clown fan sites on uh, on Facebook, and you can reach us individually. You know uh, Charlie Kyoto, Stephen Kyoto, and Edward Kyoto on our individual um, you know uh, Facebook pages, and uh, we update you on all this, the stuff that's happening and not happening. All right. Well, we thank you for coming on to the show. Oh, um, definitely, let's let's contact whoever's got control of killer clowns from outer space, and let's start flooding them with "We want more." Yeah, let's get the message that. out there. Yeah, you know what? Uh, shows like this and stuff, and we we always encourage at the, at the at the conventions. We say, you know what? You know, post and see if you can write. Uh, find out the the MGM uh, website there and tell them you want uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. And you, you know, the, when we spoke to the the fans, they said they loved it just the way it was. They loved the fact that they could show their kids. It was scary, but there wasn't anything that they were too concerned about. It wasn't going to damage right. their child. Um, you know, I I'd love to make you know a, a scarier. Still the clowns from outer space, but there's something about me. I wouldn't want, you know, the, I, I saw my, the, the movies that affected me, I saw when I was nine, ten years old, eight years old. Um, I, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd like not to cut them out of, uh, you know, of the killer clown experience, you know, and have to wait until they're, well, you know, eight-year-olds get to see R-rated movies, you know, pretty quickly, the way things are today, you know. <laughs> um, so things are less restrictive, but um, I, I don't, you know, I don't want, uh, I'd hate to make a mistake with a new killer clowns. That, that's my, that's a, that's the other fear. I don't want to make a mistake and go in a bad direction. Well, definitely I would love to see Killer Clowns get a little edgier look and feel on something okay. like Hulu or or Netflix, but still but still be something I might want to show my daughter a few years down the How road. Right now, eight. right now, eight. So definitely not the time to be showing her Killer Clowns. Yeah, but the thing is, you know, you know, our Killer Clowns are not going to take, you know, a, uh, a, a glove, a Freddy Krueger glove Right. And, you know, rip your intestines out with it. You know, if they, and, and that would be my point. If you want clowns to do that, make another clown movie. That's not how killer clowns operate, you know? Uh, you know, they, they don't take a machete and just cut your head off. I said, you know, Jason does that, and uh, Mike Myers does that. You have that. You know, my, my, my position would be, you know, look at this, you know, the people take their Star Wars and Star Trek seriously. All of a sudden, this thing, this phenomenon called Guardians of the Galaxy comes over and puts it on a puts a new spin on it. It makes it funny. So, you know, no one's in the reality of the situation. They have some good human stories, but the action is fast and furious and ridiculous and funny, the way they're fighting in life and death situations. You know, and all of a sudden, because it's made 200, 300, 500 million dollars, everyone says, well, let's put a little more of that in Star Wars. Let's put a little more of that in Star Trek franchise. And I'm going, no, wait a minute. Let them be why does everything have to be the same? Right, Why does everything yeah. now have to be Guardians of the Galaxy? Guardians of the Galaxy is its own thing. My my argument will always be, Killer Clowns is its own thing. Let it be its own thing. If you want to do a slasher clown movie, get your writers and make, make a slasher clown movie. Don't call it Killer Clowns from Outer Space. See, now, with you saying that, I remember Lloyd 
Kaufman being in the first Guardians movie. I want to yeah. see I want to see the Kyoto Brothers and Guardians of the Galaxy three and with a cameo. Oh, that'd be funny. That would be. I'd love that. <laughs> with you guys holding puppet Guardians puppets as if <laughs> y'all are part of some fan club or something, or or telling the story of the Guardians of the Galaxy in the movie. That's what I want to see. Now. You know, you know anybody in the in Kyoto over there? No, <laughs> but we'll we'll start that pitch on Twitter too. Good, good. I appreciate it. You know, again, we're you know we're we're with the we're with the fans. You know, we're with you know we want to we want to see Killer Clowns uh, Killer Clowns reboot or sequel. Actually, our plan is since it's thirty years, it's going to be part remake, part sequel. We call it a requel. But... <laughs> I would definitely. You know, I I had heard some rumblings that um, a sequel was potentially coming. I would love to see the return of Killer Clowns. I really would. Yeah, I appreciate definitely. that. I appreciate that. And we're doing everything we can to give you your 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 uh, to grant your request. That would be awesome. And as soon as we know, you'll know. Very cool. Well, we thank you for coming on and joining us tonight. It's been fun. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. Yeah, it's great to talk to you. So until next time, want to know more? <laughs> So, um, the bad crowd you've been hanging out with is a science fiction club? This has been a Weeby Geeks production.